Welcome to part 4 of Planet Nakaris. Let's continue. So Kentakis, continuing with the questions, I was curious, is there any difference in the way that Nakarons give birth? Um, very much so, uh, Michael. You, you know how um, women here, they uh, seem to have this most popular thing at the moment called um, cesarean. And a lot of the times that can be a very painful operation because they get slit across their abdomen. And a lot of women can suffer tremendous pain two, three years later. It's quite amazing, really. Um, a lot of women give birth naturally, but that seems to be eventually, I think, will dis disappear on, on planet Earth, and most of them will be all cesareans. And eventually, um, they'll have um, chew babies, you know, where babies will be created in women but removed and put onto um, into these tube-type machines that will actually incubate babies until they're born, until they're old enough to be born. You, are, you can see that in our future. Absolutely, oh. absolutely. And, you know, the sad part about it is there's going to be such a mass conspiracy within the uh, medical industry, and it's a hard thing to sort of talk too much about, but what will actually take over in a very big way is um, homosexuals, especially like homosexuals in men. They will become more scientific and genetic um uh, how would you say, genetic engineering and research into that area. And they will, they'll actually end up doing tube babies and they'll be the ones that actually create it and have it manufactured. And it will cause tremendous um, controversy within human society for hundreds of years to come after it. So I won't go into that too deep, but it's not, not actually a positive thing. It's actually a negative thing. You, you can't play with nature. Nature understands everything because it's living energy, living consciousness. We play with it from a logical perspective here on planet Earth, but we don't fully understand the implications of what is to come. It's like when you create, uh, um, say, a child from um, genetic engineering, the spirit that actually enters is not like it in the process that when a child is born through, say, a mother and father, the spirit is meant to come in because it's a karmic thing. And the child learns certain lessons. They learn to reason, understanding, how to have empathy, how to have a heart. So it's a pretty hard struggle for a child to learn. But when you create a synthetic child, even though it's from human DNA, you don't have the spirit in the same format. Let's put it down as format. And a lot of the times, those entities are very negative astral entities that jump in and it causes massive chaos because a lot of them come in because they're negative and they've never really had empathy. They bring their same traces of character into that entity and they live it out. So they actually grow up without empathy, without real understanding of what unconditional love is and that can change an entire species over 400 years and we can become very much like what humanity well not all of humanity some of humanity understand the reptilian races to be they have no empathy they have no understanding of creativeness or to be creative everything in their life in their whole essence is gray 
Their buildings are grey. They don't have trees and grass like we do. They don't have animal creatures like we do. They're very, very um, bland in their thinking. So they have no empathy. And that's not a good thing. And humanity, over the next anything from 400 to 600 years, could have massive changes in consciousness and lose the ability to have feelings. And that's not a good thing. But going back to the Nakarons, now that's a totally different situation. You, we have to understand that they've been evolving for 27 million years if we look at human time. They have been working on imagination probably for about 25 million years. And they have learned to create everything from living energy, as I've stated before. When a male or when a female and a male want to mate, and before they mate, their sexual organs are not exposed. A woman doesn't have breasts. A man doesn't have a penis. Everything is sort of within. It's only when two people come together or two beings come together like the Nakarons and decide to have a child, do their sexual organs actually expose themselves. And they make love and they have a child. Very, very different to us. Now, the interesting thing, cutting it short, when a female Nakaron decides that she wants to give birth, she makes the choice when birth is meant to be because they don't actually have hospitals like we do. There aren't hospitals full of sick people like here on earth. It's, it's, it's very, very different. They have places that is, let's call it medical centers. That female will go there or they will bring the facility to the actual dwelling of where those two live, the father and mother to be. And what actually happens, the female lays down on this particular type of device that's the length of a nakaron, very comfortable to lay on. It's sort of is shaped to their body. From a conscious level, the entire, um, the entire atom structure of that type of cushion that that being is laying on adapts to the body in form to keep the body comfortable and at ease. Now, the machine that's set up, it's worked from living energy through imagination. And what it does, it can literally see exactly how the child is going and it can also remove the child by levitation from the mother's womb out through the stomach into the arms and disconnect the cord. It literally allows a child to pass through the mother's solid matter, which is very different to our solid matter because they don't carry um, dense fat tissue as we do here on Earth. They're very light beings, but that's what this energy does. They've created this, and they've had it for millions of years, and it's just improved all the time. It's like if an acaron is, say, unwell. They're placed on this device also similar and it literally makes their body transparent and they can see if there is anything going on an expert will look at the body and know exactly what the issue is right down to the juices in their stomach 
if they're suffering, if they're suffering, say from um, massive pains in the stomach, they can see exactly what's going on, and it could be something that they ate that could have been bad, and it shows it. So they have an antidote that actually helps that out. But what's really interesting, Michael, is they don't give you an antidote through the mouth. The antidote is created by this intelligent machine that is living consciousness. It knows exactly what is needed. And it passes this energy through, and you can see it happening. And different colors of energy come through and literally settle within that part that has a problem. And it literally envelopes around that area and literally creates peace and calm, and everything's fine. If an Acharon actually cuts themselves really bad by accident, like on the stomach, the leg, the arm, the face, there is a device that is pressed up against, and that device will heal without even leaving a scar. It'll close the skin up perfectly and knit it. No stitches, no antibiotics, just pure healing. And that's all created from their imagination over millions of years to create these machines that have made it so simple when it comes to having children to actually being healed. And it's not common, by the way, for an acaron to actually have a severe cut. It's not common for an acaron to actually have a broken leg. And if they do, a broken arm, broken leg, whatever, they can heal it. If they break their neck, which is very uncommon. But if they do, they can literally reheal and knit. The act- if, the, if the actual nerve is severed, they can reheal it by joining it. So, Kentarkis, even if their right arm was bitten off by a monster and the monster swallowed it and and digested it, could you go to the medical centre and grow back an arm? Absolutely. And what's really interesting, Michael, there there is evidence on this earth, and I believe it's actually um, in the Eastern philosophy where a man actually regrew his entire arm, and there's another one who grew his hand, and he concentrated on it because he was given the the technique in how to actually do that. And i got to say, I know it's true, because in 1988, I literally regrew a left lung, it dissolved the old one because how bad it was, and regrew by cellular structure. And it's very simple to do if you know how to do it, but it takes discipline and it takes patience and it takes a strong will Here on earth, it's very difficult for us because we don't have that same form of understanding where um, aliens like the Nakarons, they've had it for millions and millions of years. And even if, say, someone is, um, um, say, they're just about to die, say, in battle, they're instantly put into a coma situation and their body is like semi-frozen. So it brings the heartbeat right down to nearly nothing. Instead of having, say, 60 beats, say, per minute, which is not right, I'm only guessing, it might beat only, say, 10. I mean, there's frogs on this earth that that go into the earth and stop breathing until next season. And then they come out and they start breathing again. It's a proven fact. They literally rejuvenate themselves. So everything is possible 
if we want to truly investigate and stop putting the negatives from our logical thinking. While we continue to be nothing but logic, we can't advance consciously. And that is 100% truth. But when you change your thinking, you shift your consciousness to a higher level of understanding. And that's what I'm trying to do in what I express. So people have an opportunity to gain a better form of sensible knowledge. But if you live in the old thinking, and if you say, oh my God, I'm, you know, I'm now 40, and uh, next, next, next year I'm going to be 41. Well, if you live to your birthdays, you will grow old to your birthdays, and you probably will die to your birthdays. If you believe that the time your father had Alzheimer's at, say, 55, and you're going to have it, or a heart attack, I, I guarantee at 55, you'll either have the heart attack or Alzheimer's. But if we understand a higher essence, we can literally change our DNA. Our DNA is willing to do anything we ask it to do if we are willing to change our thinking and believe. And I think I've given you that formula. I'll say it again. If you, are, if you believe you are thought consciousness, and if you believe you are connected to your mind through your imagination and by truly believing beyond all doubt, that is the best thing you can do to start the changing of your life. And if you never stop believing, then things will happen. But every individual has to do it themselves. Um, thank you for sharing that. Uh, my next question uh, in Nakaris, how is it handled when it comes to government, leadership, decisions, and like a hierarchy or like royalty and such? Okay. There, there is no such thing as royalty. Um, they don't believe that anyone is higher or lower than another. And that's just ego thinking. It's like, um, it's like greed. 11% of the population on earth hold all the wealth. The rest have the pennies. Yeah, they're rich, but they still have the pennies. The 11% literally run the world, not the governments. Governments have never run the world. There are families out there that are so filthy rich that believe in nothing but greed, and they control the stock market, they control the banks, they control everything. They're the ones that say if things are going to fall or rise. Now, on Nakaris, as I said to you before, there is no such thing as the monetary system. There is no such thing as royalty. Queens, kings, princesses, whoever, have never existed. They believe in equality. They've actually believed in equality from when they first began in their evolution. Even way back then, they were always willing to help another. Today, it hasn't changed. They're still willing to help another. Always especially another Nakaron. What was your other part of the question, Michael? So I'm just saying, you know, leadership and how are decisions made? When Okay. Since there are no governments, let's use the word council. Now, in Nempus, Nempus is the capital city of the Nakaron world. It's probably 
20 times larger, maybe even 30 times larger than any other city on the planet Nakaris. What they collect is information and people enter their information, which goes to, let's say, like in Canberra, a mass computer. Now, there may be certain people that wish to put themselves down for being part of a council in, say, a specific area on the entire planet. There may be ones that want to be a, a council person in, in the city called Nempus. So what happens, all that information is gathered. And then what they do is they have um, gatherings throughout every city on the planet. And they have a discussion. And all these names that have been put forward come up. And people then make a voting system simply by the raising of a hand. There's no ballots because ballots are corrupt. <laughs> it's a proven fact. All over the world, everyone is, is, is corrupt when it comes to ballots. I mean, look in Australia. They get you to use a pencil to mark your, to mark your choice. You know, have they ever heard of a rubber? Yeah, it rubs it out. They can put in what they want. You know, when I went last time, I took a biro and I did mine in biro. Anyway, that, that's just a bit of um, um, a bit of humour to me about using a pencil. So when it goes by the hand, there's cameras based in these massive auditoriums all over the planet, and it takes photos, instant photos, and an instant count of certain people. You might say, um, you know, George Washington. Okay. Um, a million hands go up. Then they might say, um, Fred Astaire, another another 200,000 hands go up. So he loses or she loses, and the person that had a million wins. So they're elected as a democracy. And when I say democracy, I mean a true democracy. It's called equality. And equality for an Akaron is a very, very high principle in their existence. So these people are elected, and in every single city, there may be like 200 council people, and there'll be one person that leads that 200. Now, in, say, Nampas, there could be 600 spread over the entire thing, which represents certain sectors of society. So when somebody says, um, I would like to see this implemented, that is recorded instantly and sent back to the main computer to see how many people would like to see those things implemented. And if they find it needs to be implemented, they will investigate it and absolutely do it. It's not like saying, oh, we'll have a look at it. If the cost factor is too much, we won't do it. Normally, 99.9% .9 all things that are asked for are implemented and that's how the system runs if you have a complaint you go to a sector within your city you put like a suggestion in and that suggestion is never discarded it is looked at and you will get an answer and somebody may even come to your door and say it's been implemented just to let you know that's how courteous the Nakaron civilizations are so does that answer your question in, in a way? No one gets paid, by the way. No, they do it because they want to do it. They do it because 
they love it. And as I explained to you before um, about, like, say, positions, like, you know, factories, um, um, if there's a surgery, you know, like, say, those machines, um, what else can I sort of close, anything, books, anything, people look it up and they say, I, would, I wish to do that. And they might go and do it for three months, six months, or 10 years. Depends how much they like doing it. Then they'll decide not to do it. But before they do that, they'll see what else they would like to try and they go and do it. But before they even do it, they go through a very quick program and they're so in tune with those programs. All it is, is a device that sits on the top of the head and the knowledge of what you were meant to do goes into your brain power. And when you go to do that job, you instantly know what you have to do. No one teaches you. You teach yourself, and that's the beauty of it. That's amazing. Uh, you mentioned uh, books there. Like, I'm curious, do they literally have books on, on paper like we do? Actually, Michael, they do. In Nempus, in Nempus, now every city, every city on um, Nakaris, right, but let's just use Nempus as an example. They have a library that would be the size of – at least 15 massive football fields. The library is so huge. And it's probably around about, say, 30 stories high. And the ceilings in an Akaron home is about 15 feet. It's very, all their ceilings are very tall. Their buildings are tall. Even in a home, their ceilings are very high. Because they, they, it's just the way they, they believe in space. They don't believe in being, um, pushed to the ground like our ceilings are still too low we only have 2.4 meters we should have ceilings at least four meters at least three to four meters now the thing about a nakaron if you go into the city you can literally go into that library and you can spend the day there and they even have what they call night quarters where you can go and sleep so you can continue reading the following day. And the Chirons love to read their old history. They find it fascinating. So all their old history was compiled by Nakarons through these unbelievable machines that print them all out and create books. And those books are catalogued and put into their right places so people can go along and take them and read them. You can never take them home because the books to them are priceless. But you are free to come in, just put your thumb on a thing to say, yes, who you are, and you can go and read the books. And you can spend a 100 nights there if you choose to, to keep reading, if that's what you want to do. And the books themselves, are they made out of paper like ours? or Yes. No, no, no. I shouldn't know. They're not made out of paper. They're made out of, sorry, I nearly got wrong there. They're made out of living energy. What the Nakarons have learned to do, because they, as I say, they're 27 million years old in evolution, they have learned to use living energy through imagination and create it into sheets that can be created into books. Do you understand the process of what I'm saying? Yeah, and are they just standard sheets or are they almost like a computer screen that you can (laughs) 
Are they just standard sheets like a sheet of paper, even though they're not paper? Yes, yes, like like a sheet of paper. Let's just use the word a sheet of paper, but they don't use it, they don't cut down trees. They use what is called living energy. Now the beauty about living energy inside an inside the atmosphere of a planet is limitless. It will never run out. Um, it is constantly rejuvenated, constantly. And all the energy that perishes is broken down back into an atom, then back into energy and back into the nothingness from that particular planet. And it draws upon all that energy constantly so you can never run out, no matter how much you use. So all their books are created into solid matter through living energy. And then they're they're made, they're created by different Nakarons. And they have like printing presses, just like they have printing presses. They go through mass, mass computers and they're printed out. And if a Nakaron is thinking, oh, yeah, I want to, I have about 200 books that I want to read all of them, but I really want the information now. Can they put that thing on top of their forehead and, and, uh, and access information a lot quicker like they do before a job? They can, but a lot of Nakarons don't actually do that. It's very rare that anyone will actually do that. They're not into overloading their brain capacity. They believe the enjoyment is actually in sitting in a beautiful, comfortable lounge area. Um, and they can create, by the way, they can create scenes. There are different rooms that are huge. And all they have to do is press buttons and they can bring up the entire walls that surround them in any format that they choose, like a jungle theme, an ocean theme, um, a sandy beach theme, a Hawaiian theme, whatever you want to do. They can literally bring that up just by their thoughts. They just type it in and away it comes and the entire wall structure becomes their imagination to set the scene while they're reading to set the scene while they're reading wow. right? it's quite incredible you can you can actually create like this massive ocean with water crashing up against these massive rocks while you're reading a book that's related to something like that so it makes you feel as if you're reliving it but the thing is I, I, before i say any more nakarons love to read physical books they love it but they also love going to another part of the section and creating the atmosphere in a similar way with these things on their head and they become a part of it and they can live out the action the drama whatever they want to do do you understand what i'm saying there yeah we, we, we've got it here on earth to a point we have like holograms well theirs is actually real because they're using living energy. And it's like they're living in that. They're laying on this lounge, but they're out of their bodies, living it, sensing it, feeling it. And they can even put themselves on another planet. Yeah, they can put themselves on another planet and experience that. Another planet and experience it, yes. Wow. Katagas, my next question is kind of simple. It's about, like, haircuts and, you know, generally on Earth women might have longer hair and men might have shorter hair and they might grow a beard or not. What, what's, the, what's it like with the Nicarons? <laughs> They're very, very different. Um, Nicarons never go bald. Um, 
they don't lose hair like you, you hair does fall out but they don't lose hair like we do here on this planet um, we're under constant um, stress most of us eat really bad diets um, too many um, um, junk food too much um, alcohol not enough water too much coffee and tea and too many drugs and that and also too many perms you get your hair done too many times and eventually by the time you're 50 a lot of women are sort of nearly losing all their hair and men are the same they're becoming the same stress is the biggest loser of hair on earth and we don't even realize we're going through stress now nakarons their whole lifestyle because there's they're they're an old civilization their whole lifestyle is all about feeling good, um, being very active, no matter how old you are physically, and eating the right food. Their hair is lush, thick, shiny. Women have long hair, and some of them have very long hair. A lot of women on Nakaras plait their hair, and sometimes it can come down to nearly where their bottom is. And they like it like that. But there are also men who let their hair grow long and put it in a plait. There are men who have shorter hair. There are men who have longer hair. It's it's one of those things. And what's really interesting about a Nakaron, they rarely ever get their hair cut. They can literally create through living energy, through their own thought consciousness, for their hair to stop growing or to grow. And that's really interesting, isn't it? Wow, that is so cool. What about uh, facial hair? Facial hair, they don't have any. Really? They don't have any facial hair whatsoever. They don't have any body hair, no body hair either. Do they have eyebrows? No, no eyebrows. No, no eyebrows. eyebrows. No eyebrows. Oh. How? <laughs> if they have no eyebrows, and and as we know, because you said earlier that... that um, you know, 87,000 of them were put here on Earth. Where did the eyebrows come for our revolution? Uh, well, you got you got to look at it this way. When you don't grow consciously and you live in certain a certain format of logic and you look a certain way and you don't have the ability to go beyond what you are, you stay basic. And when you stay basic... You're not willing to change. The Nakarons have outgrown a lot of things. And that's one of them because they're working their way to go beyond the body. And there are so many Nakarons that have lifted themselves out through ascension into higher forms of consciousness. And they create bodies, I mean, that look physically solid. And they can literally ascend and descend. And I think I said to you last time, um, Kanag, for instance, using him as an example, he ascended and it took him thousands upon thousands and thousands of years, many lifetimes. And Nakarons live a much longer lifetime than we do. We live the average, anything from, say, 60 to possibly 100. Nakarons can live four to 600 years if we look at human time because their time world is slower to ours. They don't need to race up. We, as humans, are racing our time. 
And that's why we constantly can't get done what we need to do in eight hours or 10 hours or 12 hours. And that's why we feel so stressed. That's why we grow old. We do it to ourselves through ignorance, passed down through every single generation. Until we get off that wheel of life and start looking at our being, who we are, what we are, and possibly our heritage. Only then can we start growing beyond who we are. So um, so thanks for sharing that. I'm just still curious. So when the 87,000 were put here, did at, the, at that time did, did the Nakarans actually have eyebrows? Um, some did, some didn't. And so they were growing out of it for the last million years uh, on Nakaris. On, for on the Nicaras, last million yes. years on Nakaris, they were growing out of it. Yes, and I can tell you what, you can do a lot of evolution in a million years. Yeah, right. <laughs> a lot. A lot. Wow. See, the, the, the thing about free will, Michael, you can only have free will if you recognize that it exists. But if you live to a logical life and your parents lived a certain way because of the way society structured, you most likely will end up living a similar thing like a pattern to your family, your father or your mother or both. So your level of thinking can't change until you make that conscious decision to want to change it and to want to, you know, grow, grow different, think different, um, understand different things beyond what we normally talk about. And a Charon, they talk about things so differently to what we talk about here on planet Earth. Human society, all they do is worship um, film stars, actors, anyone that's rich and think they are so far beyond themselves that they'll never achieve anything. It's like some sort of God status. What they don't seem to realize is they all die. They all die the same way. I mean, you you know that actor, um, Sean Connery? Mm-hmm. 90 years of age, he just passed away. I think yesterday or the day before. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, he was a brilliant actor, really good, actually quite a nice person. But he still died. But the sad part, he didn't die with any knowledge. He only died with beliefs and conditioning. And that's where the fault is in us. We take from generation to generation to generation And it goes on and on and on. But we don't change. We change our technology, but we don't don't change our level of thinking. We think we do, but we don't. We're still as ignorant as ever. And we we need to change that. Sure, yeah. And in a million years, a lot could happen. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I wonder what it would be like here a million years from now. If we're lucky, we'll still be here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I have another question. Does Nakaris have um, like the birds and the bees and other creatures like that? Okay. When the Nakarons, and I have mentioned this before, when the Nakarons first moved to their new planet, which was basically 14 million years ago, which is this one they're on now, um, they noticed that there was a variety of creatures, very different to ours. What they do have there, they don't have bees, 
They don't have insects like we do here. They don't have flies. They don't have mosquitoes. And what's really interesting is if we go back in time, insects were so huge. And now look at them. They're so small. And yet they still hurt. They still cause diseases. Where on Nicaras, they never had mosquitoes or flies or anything that would bite you like a tick. They never had those types of problems. They do have a very large variety of birds. And what's really interesting about every single bird species on Nicaras is a vegetarian. Wow. Yeah, that's really interesting. And they eat leaves, fruit, vegetables, and they've always had, because their planet is so huge compared to Earth, they have tremendous forests with trees that are 200 feet tall, massive trees, and they have so much food there, it's never been a worry. So they've always been vegetarians. They do have, they do have something that looks like a lizard. Um, it's quite large, but what's really interesting is it's a vegetarian. All the carnivoristic um, animals in the first two million years of them being on that planet perished, literally just perished under their own natural phenomenon. And Nicarons were thinking about transporting them to another planet because they've always been vegetarians and they were finding them to be a real problem. But they perished under their own natural, I suppose, natural way. But they do have a large variety of different animals, that's for sure. They even have a creature like a, like, um, a rhino and an elephant, but very different. The elephants are very small. They're only about, say, up to your waist, and that's big as the elephant would grow. They have, a, they have um, very small ears. They have thin legs but a large body, no tail, and they're actually black, and they're vegetarian. And they make the most strangest squealing sound. Like an elephant roars. You know how they roar out that really bellowing sound? These make a squealing sound. And sometimes um, you think that if they squeal too loud, they could break glass. But that was their defense, by the way. When they squealed, it really hurt the ears of their carnivoristic um, killers. But since there's no more carnivores, it's not an issue. They don't have alligators or you know, crocodiles or tigers, anything like that. This concludes part four of Planet Nakaras. If you have any questions or for any reason would like to contact Kentakis, including to book some time with him, simply email kentakis at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for the next part.